good to see people who are weirder than us and who have more problems than us. You got problems today. You got things that you're worried about. I remember years ago reading a report from the American Medical Association that said men that suffer from male pattern baldness, you know, the horseshoe shape that's developing in my head, that they are more susceptible to heart attacks. And I thought, what a double whammy. We're not only going bald, but we're going to die of a heart attack earlier too. What, uh, you know, double things to worry about. What, what do you think this morning is the worst addiction uh, in the world? Would it be alcohol? Would it be meth? Would it be uh, porn or prescription drugs? Let me tell you, the worst addiction in the world today is worry. It's worry. We're, we're addicted to worry. We're in Philippians chapter 4 in our fourth sermon today uh, on God's game plan for your life. And we're going to talk about worrying. And, and I know none of you struggle with this, so take notes so you can give it to someone uh, who does. But honestly, I know that this is something that in this room today, that there, there are a lot of people, you're worried about a lot of things. I believe that Jesus' words in this passage are a game changer for you and me if we'll live them out. God, he tells us not to worry, uh, but that, what we've got to look at, we're going to look at two things. First, we're going to look at our part, and then we're going to look at God's part. Okay, so let's look at our part first, what God expects us to do in this worry equation. Number one, God says, don't worry. I know what you're saying. You're going, man, that's easy for a preacher to say because, you know, we only work one day a week. And, uh, and, and, you know, for Paul, I mean, Paul, you know, he was a, in the library. He was probably a sissy, you know. He was always studying and stuff. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was probably under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's writing it to the ancient church in the city of Philippi, and they were being persecuted here. So these were real-world people that were facing real-world struggles. In other words, what we're going to see this morning is not pie-in-the-sky, churchy stuff that you can't do. In fact, this is real-world stuff that will change your life if we will do. So the first thing he tells us to do is don't worry. In verse 6 of chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. So he begins, do not be anxious about anything. Now, that first phrase, do not. Folks, this is God speaking, and this is not a suggestion. This is not a, hey, you do this if you want to. You do this if you, uh, you know, if it fits your gun, if it fits your personality. This is an imperative. It's God is saying, saying here, don't do this. Don't do what? Don't be anxious. The word anxious in your Bible might best be understood as worrying. And, you know, here's the Here's the cool and the terrible thing. Worry doesn't ha- start when you're an adult. In fact, you, you can be a fifth grader and be struggling with worry. I know when my worry problems probably started in my life were probably eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. And so, and, and they don't end like, you. okay, you get out of high school, you won't worry anymore. You get out of college. No, they're not going to end until you, you get your, your, your hand on it and get a handle on it right. He says, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Again, and the word worry is to take thought or to brood over something. It's not planning and prepping. It's to go over and over in your mind and to worry about it and to, to beat it. He says, don't do this. Don't worry about what? Don't worry about anything. Here's the cool thing. What does the word anything mean? It means exactly what you think it means. No thing. Now, think about this. God is saying to you this morning, whatever it is, that health problem, that kid problem, that parent problem, that personal problem, that financial problem, that job problem, God's telling you, whatever it is, here's part of my game plan for your life that will make your life so much better. Whatever it is, don't 
worry about it. That's phenomenal. I want to give you a couple of thoughts on, on worry before we jump in. The first thing God says is don't worry. But why does he say this? Here's three things on worry you always need to remember. One, worry is sin. It's a sin. Folks, if God tells us not to do it, it's a sinful to do it. Someone said worry is a mild form of atheism. An atheist is one who doesn't believe in God. Many of us live like we don't believe in God. True. I mean, we don't trust him. We don't depend on him. And when we worry, we're moving in the realm of more of an atheist in that we're not trusting God versus someone who does trust God and holds on to him. Now, now I know what some people say with this. They go, hey, you, you don't know my family. My mama was a worrier. My daddy was a worrier. My grandpa, we're just all worriers. That doesn't make it right. Can you imagine saying, well, yeah, I'm just immoral. Daddy was immoral. Mama's immoral. Grandpa's immoral. And I'm just immoral. I'm just a cheat. Man, I just steal and cheat stuff. That's my sin. Don't invite me to your house. I'm going to case the joint and come back when you're not there and steal. But that's how my parents were. That's who I am. That's, no, you'd say you need to get slapped upside the head and get right. So don't excuse your worry and blame it on your ancestors. Worry is sin. Number two, worry in no way is productive. Worry does not accomplish anything. Matthew 6, 7, Jesus says, in a great chapter to read is Matthew 6 on worry, and which of you by being anxious, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life? We're going to see in a moment more Jesus says on that. Jesus is telling us worry's not going to help you. Mark Twain, the great writer, said this, worrying's like sitting in a rocking chair. It keeps you busy and you get nowhere. <laughs> You, you, you move a lot, and you, you don't accomplish anything. Now, here's how, here's how I think I fell into a worry trap for years. I'm a doer. I'm a planner. I want to get things done. I don't want to wake up, and it's 2020, and go, wow, where should the church be in 2020? I don't want to, to look at my finances or anything. I, I want to be ready. And so the, the, the flip side of that is you start planning, you start prepping, and then you start worrying. And you start thinking about it over and over Instead of trying to, th- okay, this could go wrong. How can I fix this? You, you, you get caught up in that. You ruminate on it. You dwell on it. And, folks, at that point, you're not planning. You're sinning. You're worrying. And that's not helping you. That is not productive at all. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear when you're relaxed and enjoying the day, even though there's stressful things on the other side of it. The devil said, you need to be doing something. Well, you may need to get up and run around the house or whatever, but you don't need to sit and worry about it. Worry's not productive. In fact, third thing, worry's harmful. Worry does not only not help us, it harms us. When Jesus said, worry won't add to your life, Jesus knew worry would actually subtract from your life. Purdue University, listen to this, Purdue University did a study, a 30-year study of over 1,600 men. Here's what they found out. The men who were chronic warriors died 16 years earlier on the average than the men who weren't. Did you hear that, men? 16 years earlier. I, I get an, an email weekly from a, a psychiatrist. This is not a personal psychiatrist, but this is a guy who works with churches and Christians. Uh, in California, named Daniel Amon, and I, and I got it this Thursday, which was ironic with this sermon, and he was talking about anxiety, and he said that when men, and I'm sure that these stats would play out to women too, but when men who are diagnosed with cancer, if they are a worrier, their mortality rate almost doubles. Charles Mayo was the founder of the famous Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and 
Charles said this years ago. He said, worry affects our nervous system, your digestive system, your glands. It affects your immune system. Folks, worry is not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. We get our English word worry from a German word that literally means to choke or to strangle. I wonder how many young people in here this morning are feeling that pressure of some area in your life where you're worried about what people are going to think or what's going to happen or how this is going to play out. And I know you adults and, and, and you older students that you have those things that are choking you right now. Here's the first thing God says about worry. And this may sound simple, but it's a command. Do not worry. Don't worry. If you, if you don't take anything home this morning besides that, don't worry. Now, here's the second thing that God says, our part, become a person of prayer. And I'm going to explain this more. Look in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Folks, here's something cool. In that one verse, four words are used for prayer. Four words are used for prayer. The first word there is that he says, but in everything by prayer. That word literally means a general word for prayer time. It's what we talked about last spring here at the church about having a prayer time. Not just asking for things. We'll see that in a moment. But he's assuming that people he's talking to are Christians. So you need to give your life to Christ today if you haven't. And then as a Christian, you need to develop a prayer time where you're spiritually building yourself up every single day. You're putting the armor of God and the protection of God around you. You go, well, I don't know how to pray. Meet us after church. We'll give you some booklets you can take home and start learning today how to pray. But where you get up and you spend time praising God and forgiving others and praying for yourself and confessing sins and thanking God and praying for others, You start getting on top of the worry bug when you develop a spiritual life and a spiritual routine. It's like working out where you're building up your spiritual muscles, okay? Develop your prayer time. Here's the second thing after that or the third thing in your list. Pray specifically and persistently about all your concerns. Not only have a prayer time, but in this prayer time and throughout the day, pray about all the issues in your life. Again, verse 6, don't be anxious about anything anything. Now, this is cool. God says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request. Let them be known to God. I I love the concept of everything. It's funny. Sometimes I have people tell me, they go, pastor, I just don't pray about the little things. And I think they're kind of trying to impress me that, you know, they've got it so they don't have to pray about the, the big things. I remember hearing an older preacher say years ago, what's big to God? (laughs) You ever thought about that? I mean, if God holds the whole world in his hands, what's what's God looking at? And that's not minimizing your problems, your pain. It's just saying when God says pray about everything, he means it. That's one of the most awesome things that you can do. Don't think you're bothering God. I'll be bothering God. He's God. You are not bothering him. You are not bothering him. It's God said, take everything to me. Now, these words here, again, these words for prayer. He says, supplication first. What is supplication? That's praying for a particular benefit, request. That's asking God for something specific. See, what God's saying is is you develop a prayer time. And part of that prayer time, instead of worrying about those issues, you pray about them. Throughout the day when those come to your mind, you pray about those issues. Don't worry about anything, but when that comes to your mind and those issues are bothering you and they're keeping you awake at night, 
Take them to God in prayer. This is God's solution. Boy, this is good stuff. Take everything to him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all your anxieties, all your worries on God because he cares for you. There was a lady in England in a be- who owned a bed and breakfast, and she had, uh, as you walked out of the, the, uh, the, the house, there was a, a little placard on the wall, and it said, Why pray when you can worry? <laughs> It was a flip on that. And the person who told me this, it said it got their attention. That's what we do. Instead of praying, we worry. God says reverse that. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. How do you get on top of worry? Man, don't worry about it. Pray about it. Here's the fourth thing. You, you, You be really thankful to God. It's neat in the middle of this recipe here. God says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Folks, here's what you do in your prayer time. You thank God. You thank Him throughout the day. I'm out working, and my weed eater is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. I have prayed over that thing. I've cast out demons. Josh and I went and bought like this $400 a bottle formula that you pour in it, and it's supposed to make it run like a dragon. And I'm still cranking that thing 84 times before it starts. And I have to pray to keep from doing some other stuff. You've ever been there? But here's what God said. God tells me, as soon as that cranks, you thank me for it. Because I've been praying, God, may it start, may it start, may it start. And then when it finally starts, I just still want to throw it down. But I thank you, God, that my weed eater started. Thank him about everything. Listen, here's what happens when you become thankful. One, when you thank God for the past, it reminds you of all God's done in your life. Isn't that cool? See, some of us today are going, man, my life's terrible. It's falling apart. I don't have any hope. Spend some time thanking God for the fact that you were able to get here this morning. Isn't that awesome? Folks, there's other people that weren't able to come. Thank God you were able to get here. Thank Him for what He's done in the past. Thank Him for all the good things in your life today. Your life may be in a bad spot, but you've got a lot to be thankful for. And jump out in faith and thank Him for how He's going to take care of you in the days ahead. You may not know how God's going to take care of you, but if you'll trust God, you'll know that God will take care of you. How do you beat worry? You spend more time thanking God than you do dwelling on your problems. Here's number five. You live obediently under God. Verse 9. We're going to look at some of these verses more in the days ahead. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let me say something, you're going to think I've, I've, I'm uh, contradicting myself, but so here everything we say, some of you got stuff to worry about today. If you're not a Christian, honestly, you should be worried. The Bible says if you don't get right with God, you die and you spend eternity in hell. I'd be worried about that. The great news is that's fixable this morning. Some of us are Christians today And we are not living like we should. And I want to warn you, you ought to be worried. You should be worried you're going to be found out. You should be worried your wife's going to find out. You should be worried your husband's going to find out. You should be worried other people are going to find out. If you got skeletons in your closet and you're playing with them, you ought to be nervous. God says one way you beat worry is you're not going to be perfect, but you put your life under his. You live for him. You deal with the junk in your past or your present. And so when someone comes up and accuses or blaming you, you can say, I'm guilty of a thousand things, but not of that. 
live properly under God. Here's number six. Do your best. Here's why a lot of us are worried today is we give a half-hearted effort. Romans, uh, excuse me, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, Brad, this is a great verse for football players to memorize. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. In other words, whatever you do, you, you, like you're working for God, you give it your very best. Okay, we're in church. Will you be honest with me? How many of you have ever gone into a test and haven't studied? <laughs> wow. And I, I've accused this church of being a highly educated church. At least we're honest. Okay, how many of you have gone into a test and you've studied halfway? Okay. How many of you really studied hard? I love you guys. I have never seen the brutal honesty here. That is great. Okay. If you go into, if you go into a test and you studied for a C, don't pray for an A. God is not goofy, Right? Many a times I had studied for a C, and I'm going, oh, God, please, in your name, Jesus, intervene and make this happen. And you know what? He never would do it. Some of you are praying to be a champ, and you're practicing like a chump. <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work. Here's when you, you shouldn't be worried. When you've, when you've, whether it's football, basketball, or school, cheering, when you've done your very best, you don't have to worry. If, if all you can do is all you can do, you shouldn't worry, correct? And you make a B, you make a B. You, you're a starter or you're a star or you're a great backup player. When you've done your best, you don't worry. When you haven't tried it all, don't worry. You deserve to fail, amen? You deserve to not do well in the game. When you haven't tried, don't worry. Just enjoy it. Lay back and embrace the failure, right? Here's when you worry when you've done about half-hearted. Many a time I would go into a test, unfortunately, in college, in high school, when I had studied some. And if the teacher would just ask the right stuff, you ever been here before? If they would just ask the right stuff, I was going to do well. But if they asked the wrong stuff, it was going to be a total disaster. That's when you worry and you pray very hard, right? See, a lot of us are worried because we're not doing our very best. Do your very best. Do your very best. Number seven, focus on the positive. I'm excited. In two weeks, I'm going to be preaching on this verse. And it's such a great verse. Finally, brothers, what's true, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's commendable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Here's what God's saying. Yeah, man, you, you got a plan. You got to prepare. You got to look at the problems and figure out how you're going to solve them. Absolutely. You don't want to get stuck in a mind circle and ruminate on those things and dwell on them. But man, ultimately, you want to focus on the positive, on the good, on the sunshine, on the blessings. That's the Word of God. And worrying, and, and, and part of worrying is absolutely negative thinking. There's no question about it. Focus on the positive. And here's the last thing that really puts it together. You've got to trust God. You just have to trust God. I don't know why God designed things the way he did. He's not shared with me that yet. And I don't know why God has said certain things really please him. But here's one thing God said. God says, trust pleases me. When people here in Ruston, Louisiana, 
When we trust God, we please God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, here's a problem with some of us this morning. It, is that you really are smart and you're well-educated and you've got to figure everything out. You've got to control it. And you've got to have it in a little box in front of you. And you just can't do it. You just can't. It's sooner or later you're going to break. That's why God said, look, you're going to beat worry. You've got to trust me. You've got to say, I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to focus my mind on the positive. But ultimately, I have got to trust that God is in control. I've got to trust God. An old preacher said years ago, he said, that anxiety ends where trust begins. When trust begins, that's when anxiety and worry will end. That's our part. Now, let's look at God's part. What's God's part in this equation? Because obviously, God's part is gigantic. Nothing's good's going to happen without God. Here's the first thing. God will take care of us. Isn't that great? I want you, because I'm not sure all of you are still fully cognitive. Would you say with me, say this out loud, God will take care of me. Say, God will take care of me. How many of you hope that that's true? Not many, but some. How many of you believe that's true? Psalms 55, 22, I, I say this verse a lot. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. God doesn't say there that just anybody. That verse is not an unconditional promise. Righteous means people who belong to God, who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here's what God says. When I take my problems to him, when I do it his way, God says to you and to me, I will take care of you. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. And here's the the last part of this. God says, I will give you my wonderful peace. I may not solve it the way you're expecting me to. I may not come through the way at the time you want me to, but I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to give you a peace that's beyond all understanding. In verse 9, first of all, he says at the end of it, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Now, go back to verse 7. When we don't worry, when we pray, when we're thankful, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, there's some cool stuff here. That word peace means rest. It's synonymous with security. Man, when you're worried, you need peace. You need security. Philippi, the city who got the letter originally, was a Roman colony. And in this colony was a military garrison of Roman soldiers. A lot of, it basically was a fort city. And he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. That was a military word. It was a picture of soldiers gathering around a town or people and getting them back in there with their swords and their spears, 
ready to protect and do war. Here's what he's saying. Listen, when we do it God's way, not our way, when we do it God's way, God himself will not only take care of us and be with us, he's going to give us a peace, his peace. The angels of heaven are going to surround us like a military garrison and guards to protect us and give us a peace that no one or nothing can steal from us. Is that not cool? And it passes all understanding. I, was, I read a book early this year. Josh, you read it too. Switch on your brain. Obviously, Josh and I didn't get that. I'm going to switch some brains on in a minute. Great book. You ought to read it. The lady who wrote it is a Christian, and she is a scientist. Listen to what she said. Neuroscience is figuring out. When we choose not to worry, when we choose not to worry, our hypothalamus in our brain begins to secrete chemicals that facilitate a peace and a calm in our mind. And then the rest of our brain begins to cooperate with that to give us a sense of well-being, a sense of direction, and a sense of peace. You know, I bet you 2,000 years ago, oh, God knew about the hypothalamus, how much you bet. And I bet when we get to heaven, God's going to say, hypothalamus, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what I was doing in your brain and in your heart when you would do it my way. He says, I'll guard your mind and your heart. He's saying, I'll guard your emotions. I'll I'll guard guard your thoughts. In other words, God says, when we decide to do it his way, He's going to jump in there and not only take care of us, but give us a peace in the middle of the storm that's beyond understanding. Folks, here's what I want to challenge you. We can walk away from here today and this not affect us at all. Or we can walk away from here today and say, you know what? This will change my life. Might add years to my life if I will embrace this and do it. Man, I want to challenge you. Embrace it. And let's do it. Will you pray with me? If you're a Christian, please accept God's remedy. Embrace it and live it out in your life. If you're here and you're not a Christian, or if you're unsure if you're a Christian, And you're ready today to cross that line with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. Here's what I want you to do. If you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that, maybe you want to wait and talk to one of our ministers after church. Maybe, maybe today you want to do something big, and you want to leave your seat and come and talk to one of these ministers and cross the line with Christ today. You come and do that. Be the greatest thing you've ever done. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church family. We'd love for you to join our church. You can do it after church or you can come this morning when we, when we stand. You need a church family to help you on this journey. 
Christian, please don't blow this off. I didn't write this. This came from God. Let's choose this lifestyle. Maybe where you're standing, maybe at the altar. Ask God to help you be the person you need to be and to live this philosophy.